Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Early Line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dan Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh, and we are going to cock-a-doodle-do it today, giving you everything you need. We're talking about Korean baseball. We're talking about the NFL. We're even talking about the NBA. As it looks like, Kevin, we are starting to be Mm -hmm. on the path reopening, whether we're talking about states, whether we're talking about leagues, and we also have kind of the tea leaves of the KBO to understand how to do this best. But it seems like, Kevin, we're on the uh, we're on the edge of popping out the other side of this tunnel. Which is uh, very, very good news. Uh, you know, here at the network, I host uh, Betting Around the Rim, the show, you know, dedicated to basketball, and we, right. you know, every single week, you know, take take the temperature of uh, and it feels like we've been getting closer and closer and then being able to open up some of their practice facilities feels like it's really going to start to push us in that direction. I've I'm optimistic that the NBA can hit the ground running kind of once they get to that once they get to that sweet spot. Okay, so talk to me. What do you mean by hit the ground running, right? Does that mean, Mm -hmm. you know, how long are they going to need? Because these players need to get into, quote-unquote, game shape, right? And then there's the open question of do they play the last, whatever, 18, 19, 20 games of the regular season? Do they have to compromise the format of the playoffs? You know, best Mm -hmm. of three, best of five instead of best of seven. Will there be any realignment for geography in the same way that Major League Baseball is talking about? When you say hit the ground running, Kevin, I mean, what? does that actually mean or potentially look like as an NBA fan? What would you like to see? Well, I think as we continue to follow along the, the updates that we've, we've seen from the NBA, I feel like they are prepared kind of, they, they have a plan in place. You know, uh, when you talk this out, um, in terms of, oh, man, they got to figure out this and they got to figure out that, right. right? Like, you know, the other day um, here on the early line, we were talking about baseball. And it's like, man, they got a lot of stuff to figure out when it comes to the networks. Yeah. And I, I think that the, you know, the NBA is all very, very aware of this stuff. And I think that they've kind of pushed through. And in terms of, you know, things as drastic as realignment, I don't think it's something that they entirely have to worry about because I think right. their plan uh, is we're going to a hub whether that be Las Vegas, whether that be Disney World, they're going to go to a hub. They're going to station all of their teams there, and they're going to hope that that uh, bubble that they're going to create, its own permanent quarantine, will allow them to continue to play these games. And, you know, they've gotten, you know, if you're as a, a public feel like you've gotten some deep details, things such as, you know, 30 to 35 people, including players, inside the arenas during games at most. Robotic cameras, um, you know, people who are going to be hosting and broadcasting these games, doing it from the comfort of their own homes. Like, if if you're, if we're getting to the point where those details are being made available to us, and there's, I'm sure, a lot of other details that they've already started to kind of check boxes on and feel like they're prepared for. So I think that the NBA is maybe further along than the feeling would be for a team that's obviously not given us a full concrete update as to when we could actually see games. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I keep on saying, and I used to say it with Joe here on the early line, I called it the Truman Show. 
Kevin, you know, in mm. essence, wherever these bubbles are, right, whether it's Vegas, whether it's Disney World, whether it's an uh -huh. island, whether it's a cruise ship, whether it's space, it doesn't matter. In uh -huh. essence, you have to build this kind of protective quarantine bubble over all of them, whether it's the players, the players and their families, the staffs, you know, uh, the, the cleaning and cafeteria staff for this place, wherever uh -huh. it is, whoever the television production folks are, in essence, you're making them into the Truman Show, right? <laughs> and they all yeah. have to kind of be self-contained. So wherever that is, if there's one for the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference or however they put it together, that will be required. But Kevin, I bring this up at the start of the show today because we are starting to hear news moving in that direction. In fact, mm -hmm. it looks like NBA facilities in states where there is no longer a stay-at-home order, will be able to open as of tomorrow, okay? And there's a couple of interesting details about this, so, you know, what the teams and the facilities would have to do in order to kill, still uh, make this socially distant and still keep this safe, okay? So one of the things is that um, you can only have four players in the facility at one time. Okay, and then another is even if you have four players, only one of them can be shooting on a hoop at one mm. time. All right. Another one is the idea of temperature checks. We're going to start to see that in a lot of elements of society, whether it's these facilities, whether it's public transportation or grocery stores. These players will have their temperature checked upon entry. And if for some reason, you know, it's too high, they will not be allowed entry and have some kind of follow up to see if they are, in fact, still healthy and well. Um, I thought this was, was interesting, Kevin. Masks and gloves for anybody <laughs> rebounding for the player shooting on that hoop. Remember, the ball will collect, obviously, germs, right? So you need sure. the mask and the gloves. I think that's interesting. Two more that I'll bounce off of you here, Kevin. One is that they are removing a lot of the machines in the weight room to create more space yep. so that you can, in fact, you know, I could be working on the bench press, you could be working on the row, but we could still be six feet apart. And here's the last one, Kevin, that I, I honestly need some help. Um, sterilized sneakers. All players will have to wear sterilized sneakers. So, Kevin, mm -hmm. I ask you, what are sterilized sneakers? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they're going to be handed a pair of sneakers that will not actually ever be outside. Okay. Which okay. actually kind of makes sense in terms just of the Just open the box, of... fresh out the box, put them on. I mean, they can probably afford it, right? I mean, I just think in a way it would make sense because you're walking around on the court. The basketball is bouncing off that same floor. And obviously, right, that's hand. That's, you know what I mean? Like, I also think, like, it's very difficult, but anybody that's ever played basketball before knows, like, you're you're just, when you're playing basketball, you're just kind of playing basketball, right? And you don't ever think about, like, oh, man, my hands just touched this basketball that touched the floor, that touched the rim. I can't touch my head. Like, nobody ever thinks about that. So that's, like, why they're going to make sterilized sneakers. I, I will say this is all one big game of Jenga that the NBA is playing here because... If one player gets it, mm -hmm. what do they then do? What is the re what is the response going to be? Is it okay? Let's quarantine him. Is it okay? Anybody that's been in touch is now quarantined. Right. What if you have to quarantine a whole playoff team and forfeit and, and lose? And, the, and you know this, Dane. The NBA is too forward thinking 
to eliminate a team because they are in quarantine. Right. But you can't afford every two weeks to just halt everything. Right. Because we're going to it's going to carry on too long. And that's the essential balance, right, about starting too early and then being right back at square one when one player, one one coach, one referee, one, you know, staffer that is there. You know, I mean, it, it's probably going to happen. You know, I mean, we talk about in Bundesliga, there were three players from one team in the KBO. There are players from one team. It happens. And I think we have to figure out how to proceed, you know, but what happens when that one player who happens to contract? it happens to be Giannis or happens to be Kawhi or happens to be Jason Tatum or Jimmy Butler or Anthony Davis, then what do you do for competitive balance? I think that is very interesting. You know, the idea of us getting here needs to be a collaborative effort from, like I say, the networks and the unions and the leagues and local governments, right? This is only happening in states where there is no stay-at-home order or it's been relaxed on some level and essential travel is okay, But now I have a question about competitive balance that we will definitely have to get into because, you know, that ain't happening in the New York City area. I know the Knicks are not necessarily playoff bound, but it's still everyone is feeling this in different ways based on your geography. Here's a little bit of the note from the NBA. I want to read it for you and tell me – how this sounds because you just said, you know, when you're playing basketball, you don't think about this. Check this out. And I quote. If an NBA practice facilities indeed opens on Friday in states where shelter and place restrictions have eased, teams will be asked to clean and disinfect basketballs by following specific instructions from Spalding and the league office. Now check this out. Mix a quarter teaspoon of detergent with each gallon of water. Use that liquid and a clean cloth to towel or wipe down each ball. Then rinse the balls with water. Once a ball air dries teams are to spray it with a disinfectant approved by the EPA. That sounds pretty crazy, Kevin. And that sounds like something that's going to have to happen all the time. You talk about the sterilized sneakers. It's like I got a pair of inside slippers and a pair of outside slippers. Everyone's just going (laughs) to keep their pair of sneakers in the facility and only change into them uh, so they can try and stay clean. Yeah, and that's – and again, like even – like, all right, well, you have to wipe your feet here. Now step here to put that's them still. on. Like, no, that's the thing. And I, I, it's in a way, if you have to go through that whole process, it is then maybe too soon to be going through this process. Right. And I will say the NBA has been very patient uh, about this, I believe. And I think that the NBA is very, I think the NBA is hyper aware that any decision they make can and will be scrutinized and they saw that as they they tried to you know open things up last week and it was pushed back because of the blowback that they got what has been one of the most fascinating things about this though is trying to figure out kind of because you just talked about the knicks there right and like oh that's not gonna happen you know with the knicks now we're still trying to figure out though do the knicks still have games to play you know, right. Steve Kerr said that, oh, we've kind of done exit meetings here in Golden State. Now, I think that's a little unfair from Steve Kerr because the Warriors have wanted that season to end since about game five. That's true. <laughs> and I think that Steve Kerr would be feeling a bit differently if everybody was, you know, ready to go mm-hmm. in a way that they had been in years past. With that being said, it, you know, it, it kind of begs the question, hey, we get to limit the amount of teams that are here and we don't have to expose you know, the the coaches, the staff, everybody that is then involved with another team coming. 
However, we've talked about this, and again, it, it, you can't you can't stress it enough because it's such a big part of this. It is the networks. It's the Knicks giving their obligations to right. the rest of MSG and yep. being like, well, this is the Lakers are are filling their uh, requirements to Spectrum. Why are we not getting our requirements? And it becomes yep. this whole thing. And I, I think, like I've said, I think the NBA has had those conversations, and I would like to think that they're further along in those conversations, certainly than the infancy stages. But that is still a big, big part of this, and them still trying to figure that out. Yeah, Kevin, I think that's a great point. You know, we need to also think about competitive balance. What happens when a major superstar goes down in the middle of this playoffs? What happens if some teams have a lot longer to practice because they can be in states where it's less restrictive as opposed to stay here in New York or in the tri-state area or in any other hotspot that may continue to pop up? You know, we have no idea where the next critical zone is going to be. That's why it's very hard to start Start something with teams, you know, from all across this country or even, you know, in a hub. It's going to be very, very interesting. These players all have families that they are thinking about. So, you know, a lot of details still to be ironed out, whether they're in their own home stadiums, whether they're in a central hub like Vegas or Disney World. We still have to figure it out. But at least by the end of this week, it looks like some DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh holding you down here on Sports Grid. You know, we were talking about the NBA, Kevin, and kind of how their path is to return, whether it's sterilized sneakers, masks and gloves while rebounding, or, you know, Lysol all over the place. They're going to have to figure out a way, and it is going to go down over the next few weeks. I guess the biggest question, Kevin, is when, not if, but when they return to the court, What's it going to look like and who's it going to benefit? I guess the first question I would have for you is, do you think these 18 or 19 regular season games are actually going to happen? And if so, what do teams who are out of the playoffs really do? Do they actually go to this Truman Show bubble? Do they put out their best players like De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hield for Sacramento? The only thing that can happen is they tear the ACL and it hurts next season like they have nothing you know talk about tanking right with right. these teams that are literally needing to play out the string if in fact that happens do are they gonna are they gonna tank or not like how do we keep this fair so the team with the most interesting question is the new orleans pelicans Zion. because the pelicans became the darling of everyone eye uh, everyone's right. eye they were pushing for the playoffs it was uh, they're obviously making it uh, oh memphis is playing a bit better again and when they come back, are there maybe in striking range? It depends how many regular season games we get. But obviously what's more important than being the eighth seed and losing in four or five games right. to the Lakers is Zion and just his overall uh, health and making sure he's okay. And I don't mean in terms of Zion getting the coronavirus, but more so, you know, the other injuries that yeah. you just kind of alluded to there that are always a concern this, this week. And Zion's already had, obviously, injuries. You know, he's only played, you know, 20-some-odd games right. in, you know, his young NBA career. I don't believe we would play anywhere near a full 82. 
I do not expect okay. that in the slightest. I think, again, it would more so they would have to try and figure out a way to satisfy the network contracts for some of these teams. But that is why I do believe teams such as the Knicks and the Warriors might right. still find themselves in Vegas or Disney World to still finish up their seasons. From a betting perspective, I will say this. that What's one of the really interesting things are NBA win totals. Mm. The, the NBA win totals... Unfortunately, a lot of these things will say all 82 games must be played right. in order for the, the cash. And that's that's gut-wrenching for someone that owns a Toronto Raptors ticket. So like a half They're, a win away right now. Yes, the, right. The, like, I think it is might actually be a win away. I actually yeah. think you might like be spot on with that. I think it might be a win away. And that is excruciating. Yeah. But there are people who are on the other side of it. I think the Wizards might, or the Hornets, one of them is like one loss away. I think it's the Wizards yeah. that are like one loss away. To where, you know, people maybe bet the Wizards over and they're kind of skating by. The one thing that I've been consistent with in terms of the NBA win totals, and I do hope that books um, are are fair with this. There are three win totals that have already cashed. The right, Grizzlies, that's what I was going to ask. What if it's already gone over the number? And that's to me, so the Grizzlies over, the Thunder over, and the Warriors under are all winners. All winners, no matter where Correct. you bought them, they've all cashed out. Those should be paid. There is no argument to me that that a book who is doing this fairly can make to you. Oh, it's all 82 games. They didn't need 82 games. Like, it's cashed. We see that it's cashed. And to me, I would go as far as to say I wouldn't do business with a book that wouldn't cash if you had those three specific bets out. Unfortunately, though, for you, for those who have that Raptors over, unfortunately, I think you're just going to have to get your money back. Right. I, I mean, and I understand the difference, right? You know, if they wind up not playing 82, but play, I don't know, call it 75, and sure. a team falls like two wins short of their total, you could make the argument that if they played the whole 82 and it was prorated, that they would have got there. Remember, we, we've seen Major League Baseball change yeah. their bets in the futures to win percentages instead of win totals for this exact reason, that it could be valid regardless of what the denominator is. But I'm with you. If they've already accomplished it, you know, and then for some reason, because of the fine print, all 82 games, they wound up not, you know, actually honoring that bet. That would be a game of inches, a bad beat to all bad beats. What about this, though, Kevin? You know, I understand that it's going to be tough for teams, but are there any teams maybe that benefit from this from this standpoint? Let's say there's players that were injured, you know, and, and if we were playing in March would not have been able to go. But all of a sudden, if this is happening in June, they're three months further along and they're healthy. What about a guy like, you know, John Wall? What about a guy like uh, Yurkic in Portland? Uh, mm -hmm. What about a guy like Kevin Durant, for goodness mm -hmm. sakes? Clay Thompson, for goodness sakes. These are guys, now I understand Clay Thompson on the Warriors, but the Nets might be a playoff team. All of a sudden, they have Kevin Durant. You know, think about Portland, all of a sudden, their big dude in the middle. Like, does now this changing schedule actually benefit some teams, and thus is their value? I mean, I look at the Brooklyn Nets, the, their odds to win the NBA championship, okay? Yeah. They're 60-1, to 1, Kevin, and I understand that the Brooklyn Nets team in the middle of February should have been 60-1, to 1, right? They were, what, like 6th right. or 7th in the Eastern Conference? But now all of a sudden you go through the time warp, and if you just drop them into the playoffs, and all of yeah. a sudden they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on their squad, 
they're better than 60 to 1, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. They are, they are better. I mean, if Kevin Durant steps on the court, of course they're better than 60 to 1. I will say, I will say on the, I don't know if Kyrie is going to play though. Okay. I don't know and, if any of these guys are. Well, no, 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 100%. My, 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 my point more so is I don't know if Kyrie, because Kyrie had the season ending surgery. So I don't know if he's now on a timeline to where he could return at any right. point for, you know, this allotted season. Right. And to me, I think Durant coming back without Kyrie there mm. feels unlikely. So yeah. I, I, in terms of a pure basketball timetable, yeah, he actually probably could go in June or July. He probably is ready. Now, uh, you know, I've, I've listened to, you know, the people in the know when it comes to Kevin Durant, right? People right. that have close relationships with him. Jay Williams, right? They run the boardroom together, the ESPN show, right. saying that, you know, Durant's initial plan was to try to come back for USA basketball and try and ease into it, which is one of the things that helps put into perspective just how incredible he is. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go to the Olympics and ease into things. But, of course, like, dude, the talent on that roster, the ability to play one day and not play the next is so much different than playoff basketball. Of course, it is so much different. I think for Kevin Durant as well, right, we still have this idea. Because Kevin, when you talk about this topic, Dane, Kevin Durant is the main guy of... Right, that's why I mentioned a guy like Jurkic as well in Portland, okay? He was already like kind of working his way back. And I know he's not, you know, an elite MVP, but he moves the needle in terms of how dangerous Portland is in a series. Of course. And, and all, even if it's just the playoff hunt, even if you're someone who's bet the Blazers to make the playoff, if, if they, if we get, you know, okay, we're playing 10 more games, right? I think books will be ambitious with the lines that they post and they will give you odds to make the playoffs with that, you know, four or five team collection that right. is at the bottom of the West. And now that Blazers, uh, you know, bet will look a lot more interesting if Yusuf Nurkic returns 100%. The other, you know, team that I'll throw out there where I think it's a little bit more concrete, the Philadelphia 76ers, they mm. had lost Ben Simmons. That's right. And, that team was also, you know, just on a weekly basis, it felt like completely falling apart. But Ben Simmons now is going to be back healthy if we are going to be resuming basketball. And whether your opinion of Ben Simmons, you know, you you have to acknowledge that is one of their best players, one of the most impactful players on the Philadelphia 76ers. So just knowing that he's going to be coming back, I think is incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. As I look at the Philadelphia 76ers, they are 27 to 1 to Mm -hmm. win the NBA title. And maybe there's a little bit of value because if and when this does happen, they will be closer to full strength. You know, Kevin, I also think about it, though. There's there's some examples where not having this, I think, hurts. You know, I, I look at a team like the Los Angeles Clippers who I actually believe if they are all healthy and all playing their A game, I think the Clippers are the best team in the NBA. I think they would be my pick to win the championship if they're firing on all cylinders and all healthy. They're at plus 340. They are the third choice behind only the Lakers and, of course, Giannis and the Bucks. But this is a team, Kevin, that is so veteran-laden that never had a chance to gel, right? They were saying Mm -hmm. that all they wanted was to be healthy and to have a few games under their belt with everyone from you know Marcus Morris to Kawhi to everyone else they brought in to actually give Doc a chance to see what the mix needs to be 
But they're not going to have that opportunity. They were hoping that their last, their last 20 games in April or in late March was going to be that opportunity with everybody to be healthy to sort of, you know, uh, you know, work out or the kinks, shall we say. It looks mm-hmm. like in this construct, they're not going to have that chance. They may be healthy, but they won't have the time to build the chemistry and understand the roles on the team that is so needed. I actually think the Celtics are similar in that because of how many injuries they've had and needing to understand that chemistry, that mix. So I actually think the fact that you fast forward and then just drop them into a high leverage situation is actually a, a, a knock for teams mm-hmm. like the Clippers and potentially the Celtics. What do you think? I think the Clippers are, are a team that this is not good for because you, right. you talk about that that period to gel, hit the ground running. And one of my favorite uh, Clippers kind of stats that Clippers fans w- would throw out there was that they were like 7-0 and in games where they were fully healthy. Right. And it was like, you can't be that happy, though, that you've only played seven fully healthy games. Exactly. But nevertheless, they came out of the All-Star break, and that team was rolling. Now, then they lost to the Lakers, but Doc said we were competitive and we didn't play our best basketball, and all in all, I'm happy that we were that competitive. I wish we played better. Here's where I also tell you that I don't think this is great for this Clippers basketball team. If we come back and we are going to play meaningful basketball games in terms of the regular season standings, they're mm-hmm. only a game and a half, I believe it is, up on the Denver Nuggets. For the and three, three, right? The, right. And the Clippers at the three – having to play the Houston Rockets in round one, potentially, and then traveling to Denver before they'd ever even get to the conference finals is a daunting task. And them coming back into these regular season games, I don't expect them to hit the ground running. Exactly. I I think that they're going to be very cautious with Kawhi Leonard playing more than 30 minutes in those first games back. And I think that's actually, I think they're one of the teams that I would categorize as a loser out of all of this. I think there are some clear winners and some clear losers, and they are, to me, a loser, especially if they fall back to that three. Yeah, I think that makes a complete sense. You know, when we come back on the other side of the break here, Kevin, we'll see if there are some other teams that you think could benefit or get dinged because of the pandemic and the natural implications on the season, on the start and stop nature of it, or the fact that they're going to be really far from home. Or what about teams with big home court advantages like a Denver or a Utah? Out West, I'm also thinking about the Rockets. They need time to gel. They have changed their style of play, shoving all in with you know, seven seconds or less. And if we go over 40% from three, we gonna win. So we're going to find out about that. Other teams that Kevin Walsh may think benefit or get hurt by this coronavirus and the start and stop of the NBA season. We also have reports of maybe a new head coach, not this year, but next year in the NBA. We're going to talk about all of it. It is the early line. Dane and Kevin giving you the edge on sports grid. Come on back right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back, guys, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Kevin and Dane talking about the NBA ready to potentially start returning. We'll see players back in facilities by the end of this week, only four at a time, and with sterilized sneakers, whatever that means. But Kevin and I are trying to find some value here, okay? Because 
we have the current standings, but we have this context of the bubble that they're going to be playing playoff games in and teams, whether it's a player returning from industry uh, or injury, a team's need to build chemistry or any other reason, you know, this is not going to impact all teams evenly. And so we're trying to get ahead of it. You know, Kevin, what is another team? I think you mentioned that you actually think I, I brought up the Rockets and how mm-hmm. they may be a team that needs to gel with their new style of play. But you were saying you actually think this could be a benefit for a team mm-hmm. like Houston. Yeah, so there are, to me, three bullet points for the Houston Rockets why I think this can work out with them. Firstly, one of the raps on James Harden is every year we get to the postseason and he's too tired because he goes out there and he does play 82 most minutes, you know, up there and, you know, top five minutes in the league. And, you know, he, you know, he goes out there and he puts up his numbers and every single time we hit May and it's like that dude is spent. And he has these games in the postseason where you're like, there are no legs there. And that alone right there is something that the Rockets could potentially be very, very happy about. The second thing is actually, it kind of goes to your point about chemistry, right? Where now they don't necessarily have, you know, chemistry of a team that's been together forever, but also a lot of these teams now could be kind of thrown off their rhythm. The Rockets have the ability, though, to say we've got at any given moment, maybe the two best players on the court, two of the three best players on the court. We can right. iso ball this up. It's what James Harden does. Westbrook can do the same. And we can just let we can out talent you. And in the NBA, you know, out talenting can work to a degree, but it might actually be a bit more of a viable option is with the Houston Rockets kind of as other teams are kind of starting to try and get their feet still under them. The third thing is kind of just goes with every single thing that's going on in this world. To me, right, I think all sporting events that we see, I think there could be an extra layer of variance, if you will, because there's just uncertainty. We don't know how people are kind of reacting to these things. We don't know how everybody's going to do with this time off. But the Rockets already bring a ton of variance to the table by shooting 40 to 53s a night. And they're going to continue to do that. And that, to me, is really interesting, is the fact that they already are bringing this kind of... That's true. "Ah, You don't know what you're going to be getting from us kind of thing. And I think with already the uncertainty that is there, I think them kind of going out there and being able to bomb threes the way that that they do, I think the Rockets actually can come out. Now, I'm not saying I would pick them to win the title, but I think that this could actually be something that does benefit the Houston Rockets. You know, I think that's an interesting point, Kevin, and I don't disagree with you. The idea of variance, right? And they're already kind of the wide range of outcomes team because of their style of play. I've been saying it all the time. You know, if you, if the Rockets shoot under 30% from three, they're going to lose. If they shoot over 40% from three, I don't care who they're playing, they're going to win because they're going to chuck it up that much. And last time I checked, three is still more than two. They're changing the geometry and the arithmetic of basketball in a way that I think the Splash Brothers kind of started, but the Houston Rockets are shoving all in and taking it to the extreme. What about what I mentioned before, Kevin? If these games are going to be played in the hub, right? Whether that's in Disney World, whether that's in Vegas, whether that's on a cruise ship. What about teams in the playoffs who rely on their home court advantage? You know, I know the Utah Jazz have a huge home court advantage. Same thing up in Denver with the Nuggets, right? They've got a home court advantage up in the thin air, mile high city. What about teams like that that will not have the home court advantage that sometimes they lean on? So... I'd love for us to pull up the home court records of the contending teams in the Eastern Conference. 
they are all outrageous. And, you know, actually in the last segment, I mentioned that this is good for Philly in terms of getting their guys back. But the rap on Philly all years, they've lost like twice at home and they're mm. under 500 on the road. Right. But it's not just them. It's a similar situation for Miami. Miami. Bo- yeah. Yeah. But Boston, Indiana and Milwaukee have all been outrageously good uh, right. on their home floors. So now with it becoming a lot, it, it potentially being a lot more balanced, I think that's a great point that you kind of bring up where mm-hmm. now Honestly, in the Eastern Conference, like Milwaukee, of course, was already the favorite. But if you kind of have to, you know, pull it off road records just because they have the best record in the league, you'd have a little bit more confidence in them where teams like Philly and Miami, right. they have relied so heavily. But it's, yeah. it's, it's, another, it's weird, though, right? Because if you asked, you know, Jimmy Butler and said, Jimmy, let me ask you something. You guys play at home. You play at road. It's two different basketball teams. We're now going to play in Vegas. Is it a road yeah. game? Is it a neutral site game? Is it because you're feeding off of the Miami crowd? Is it because you yeah. party too much the night before games in Los Angeles? Like, what is it where, you know, some of these teams can't get it together on the road? And could that be fixed by this hub? It's possible. I mean, I think you raise a great point. I think it's all of the above, Kevin. And you specifically <laughs> identify, say, the Miami Heat, right? They are 17 games over 500. Yet they're five games below 500 on the road. This is buoyed by their amazing 27 and five home record, and it's even crazier for the Philadelphia 76ers. They've gone 29 and two at home, but guess what? In the playoffs, they ain't getting any home games. All right, they are actually 14 games under 500 away from Philadelphia. So what does that mean if they are in a hub like we're talking about? It doesn't seem to be as dramatic. In the Western Conference, you know, right now Memphis is the eight seed. Mm-hmm. They're right around 500, but noticeably better at home versus on the road. And I think all the other teams that are in playoff position right now, at least, yeah. they don't have those dramatic home road splits. What about a team like Toronto, Kevin? Because to me, they don't, you know, even record home and away. And they are this kind of experienced veteran team that's been there before. So it's almost like you could throw anything at them. And they'll just, you know, kind of keep humming along. You think it benefits maybe a team like Toronto? I love the fact that the Toronto Raptors went from a team that nobody trusts come the playoffs. And they are now a team that like, yeah, they're the veteran team that I would like to kind of trust. And it's fair. Like they, they were so battle tested last year. Obviously they did lose Kawhi Leonard, but the way that they've stepped up this year has shown that this is a team that, yeah, you would be willing to trust uh, kind of in the trenches, if you will, in some of these, uh, you know, battles where again, you know, variance is the key word here where we're not necessarily sure what we're going to be getting. And the Toronto Raptors have been great all season long. And I think that they're also a deep team where it's funny Usually depth in the playoffs matters a lot less. I wonder if this go around could depth maybe matter a little bit more because we might be in the playoffs and people are still trying again to get their legs under them. I think by the time we would hit an NBA finals, it's fair to say, you know, depth matters less, but potentially even in the conference finals, you know, uh, this Toronto Raptors team, who's also been banged up for a lot of the season, and they're probably another team that's, you know, kind of happy to get this breather and get a little bit uh, healthier in this process. I think this could be a benefit for them. I'll tell you quickly, a team that I don't think this is good for is the Indiana Pacers. Why and I And, I, and I, I pin them because I think you're going to hear it oh, the, the other Depot's way. back? This is the point. I think you're going to hear a lot of people who say, Oladipo's back, but he was rusty now, time off, and he's going to hit the ground running. And I disagree. 
I think that Oladipo came back and the Pacers were entirely thrown off. They just didn't play well. And I just think that they found themselves in this new rhythm where Malcolm Brogdon had completely taken over, you know, the primary guard role. And Sabonis found himself in an all-star right. game. And Miles Turner was running. Now, I'm not foolish. This is not a team that is better off without Victor Oladipo in the long term. But I really think that they needed the remainder of that regular season to mesh, to figure right. it all out. And I don't think they're going to have enough time to do so. And when they're going to play again, you know, we think about it, maybe 10 regular season games with all of this layoff. I don't think the Pacers will have enough time to mesh and to gel. And I'm personally going to be off the Pacers. And to add to that, we recently had the news that Oladipo and the Pacers had a complete disagreement in terms of a contract extension. Uh, they had the reported offer, laughable, laughable that the Pacers gave Victor Oladipo, uh, considering the year that he had been coming off of and the fact that, you know, he's kind of an Indiana guy. Like, that should easily right. be the face of your franchise. So if you already kind of have an issue with chemistry and then maybe tear the relationship a little bit with that front office, I'm completely off on the Pacers. That's interesting. It The way you're describing it, it makes me feel like a – Gordon Hayward when he was re-dropped back into the Celtics, right? And you had guys like Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart starting to step up, and then they had to figure out the chemistry and how everybody's role fit together. Yeah. You know, and in this example with the Pacers, you're talking about guys like Brogdon or Sabonis filling that vacuum. But now you got to figure out how to integrate your star. In this case, Victor Oladipo last year for the Celtics, it was the same thing, how to reintegrate Gordon Hayward. I do believe that is interesting and certainly something we will keep our eye on. Another thing I'm keeping my eye on, you know, as a Knicks fan, Kevin, mm -hmm. is that there's been a lot of reports. You know, the Knicks, you know, are kind of an interim basis. Take that for data. Damon Fisdale <laughs> is gone. And so there's going to be a new head coach of the New York Knicks. And a lot of reports are saying that it'll be former Chicago Bulls coach Tom Thibodeau. Now, Thibodeau is a defensive guy. Bringing that style of basketball to New York and the Garden could fit. You know, I'm seeing the, the last dance on, on ESPN. And you see some of these Knicks teams from the 90s, right? The yeah. Oakley and the Masons going at it. John Starks bodying up, getting in the chest of Scottie Pippen, dunking mm -hmm. on Michael Jordan. Could Tom Thibodeau be the guy to bring that kind of uh, approach and attitude and mentality back to the Knicks? But then again, the Knicks aren't the only team that may be interested, huh? Yeah, so it looks like uh, the, the three teams that could potentially be courting Tom Thibodeau would be the Knicks, the Nets, and the Rockets. And instantly, if I'm the Knicks, I'm like, uh, not again, right, when it right. comes to the Nets kind of stealing <laughs> their thunder and, and their preferred outcome. The Rockets, to me, is a wild proposition. Mike D'Antoni is a better head coach to me, a more valuable head coach to me also, than Tom Thibodeau. Also, it would be Thibodeau. a complete 180 for the Rockets, right? The, Going the biggest 180. Right now, yes, to the Thibodeau yes. style? Yeah, it's it's the biggest 180, and I it doesn't really make sense. Like, if they're going to move on from D'Antoni, it's a very, like, lower scaled version of the Jerry Krause, Phil Jackson stuff maybe in Houston. But yeah, I, don't, I think that's way too drastic. Now there's reports that um, Durant actually might be high on the prospect of Thibodeau potentially being the coach. I still kind of lean towards Ty Lue getting that job. It's, it's just kind of such an easy fit you would feel like for that situation. In terms of the Knicks, you know, Thibodeau to me I, that I've seen has been rumored to coach this team for years, like sure. all the time. And I think that he wants this job. And, you know, I just think sometimes that's half the battle. 
And I think where the New York Knicks are, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Getting a coach that desperately wants to come back and be a part of this rebuild. Now, of course, you know, does Thibodeau have the reach and the range to be able to sell guys to come to this team? Maybe, maybe not. But also, there's a lot of young guys that, you know, you want to work with here. And Thibodeau with a young team actually might work better because he can, you know, his words will hold a little bit more weight for these young guys. And he can talk about playoff experience. So all in all, I, I don't think Thibodeau would be the worst hire for the Knicks. And I could I could see it happening because I think even of the, the Nets and the Rockets with higher ceilings, he seems to be higher on the Knicks themselves. Yeah, I think so. And him wanting to be here is probably a big piece of it. And then guess what? If they start winning, other players will want to be here too. We continue the conversation and we look at the good old KBO when we come back. All right, everyone, welcome back to the early line right here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh, giving you what you need to win a little bit of extra money. Maybe there's some value to find as the NBA returns and starts to consider what their playoffs will look like. Everything from home court advantage to players returning from injury to the idea of some of these veteran teams needing to gel. All things to consider when you uh, debate where to put your shekels for the NBA championship as it looks like they will be be returning but Kevin one of the things that is still going on right now and we talked about a little bit yesterday with ESPN getting the broadcast deal I know you set your alarm for the Korean baseball (laughs) organization and we were talking about some of the differences the playoff structure we talked about yesterday Uh, how it's this ladder system completely benefiting the you know the the one seed who has a buy I did learn uh, that last year at least the three seed won that two verse three matchup and then okay. was able to send into the championship where they got swept four games huh. to nothing one of the Eesh. other things we talked about was the idea of the de-juiced baseball yes. in the KBO and how they thought ah, maybe this went a little bit too far so they de-juiced it and we were wondering if that if the books have sort of caught up when it comes to the totals. Now, I know you, you know, were in your basement, not only chilling there behind all that fine memorabilia you have, but also crunching the numbers. And what have you found out so far? So uh, Tuesday's slate, which was the opening night for the KBO, is my favorite thing I've ever seen. It's only five games, right? But it basically just shows that this game doesn't love anyone. The totals, two, two, and one. Down the middle as possible. No (laughs) trends for you. Not a trend. Not one trend. And even in terms of, you know, favorites versus underdogs, it was three and two to the dogs. But the, you know, the one that kind of pushed it over the edge was like the closest spread to where by the time you could have got it in, it might have flipped to maybe it was three and two to the favorites. Uh, So then I went uh, and I went through and I pulled through uh, what Wednesday offered us as well. Again, another five game slate. And it was four and one to the under as well as four and one to the favorite. And in fact, it was correlated. In the games of the favorites, it was favorites and unders. The dog won the game that went over. Yes, they did. Interesting, interesting. Now, I know we're dealing with a limited sample size, shall we cool. say, Kevin. But is there anything you want to apply to move forward? I, I know we see we got Dusan against LG. We got Hanwa versus SK. You know, I'm seeing totals that are, like we said, higher than Major League Baseball, but usually eight and a half or nine and a half, as opposed mm-hmm. to the seven and a half and eight and a half that we usually see in Major League Baseball. I know about Doosan, okay? I know that they're, they're in essence, like the Yankees of right. um, the KBO. I even had, back in my days, playing fantasy baseball. Uh, part of why you play fantasy is to have 
friends be able to stay together, right? No matter where you go, where you travel. And one of my boys was teaching English in Korea, and he named his team Doosan. I had no idea what it meant. Oh, wow. This is like five, seven years ago. I had no idea what it meant until now. Now I know that they're the stalwart of the KBO. So what about if I just ride with the heavy favorite? You know, I see Doosan at minus 179. Yeah, so uh, Doosan, they lost their opener. Um, and I believe they are. I believe they are the defending champions, right? So yeah. then they win Wednesday. And again, it's one of those, you know, it's it's very funny, right? On the surface, I feel like sometimes you might see, you know, people breaking down. Oh, I got my KBO picks. I got my KBO picks. And you're like, how, man? I'm like, what do you? You weren't prepared for this, right? But people obviously they put the work in. But also sometimes we overcomplicate things. I think. And very simply, if the Yankees lost their opener. Right, I, they and they were the favorites to win that game. They'd still be the favorites to win the next game, and they're probably going to win it because they're the better baseball team. And it's hard to beat the Yankees twice in a row if you're not supposed to even beat them on the first go around. And that's exactly what we saw play out with Doosan. Right, they they came back and and beat the Twins, and that's even one of the. the it's it's it sounds like such a simple trend, but I think again is we're all getting very adjusted to a new league. I think sometimes a simple approach is is a very fine one. I, if a team is loses as a favorite, I will take them as the favorite the next day. I, I don't think that is in any way a a poor approach because sports are still universal, right? Like there are like, and, and that's kind of how things can roll obviously you can have a dog that gets hot and potentially these teams could be missed price right like maybe it was the twins year but we saw Doosan kind of bounce back and that's really to me now i think one of the things that just try and you know keep an eye on here is and, and just kind of remind myself like it's of course a different league but it's not a different sport yeah i think that is true i guess my question would be you know i've heard some people say even in like football, you know, if if, if we're not going to have a lot of time to practice or training camp, could that, like you said earlier in the hour, eliminate some of the variants or actually create more variants? I apologize. Oh, yeah. And and so wouldn't that be contrary to your Doosan argument? What if I just take all the plus numbers? You know, what if I just take all the dogs? I know you said it was two, two and one and then one and four. But if because they haven't had the time to ramp up, if there is more variance, wouldn't that lean towards the dogs and the plus numbers in general, conceptually? Yeah, I think in general, right, especially if. Again, something that that is you know more of a foreign concept to us, right? Where it comes to betting the KBO, I think going with the plus money is a safer right. approach, always. You know what I so I think that that's fair. But I also think that baseball sometimes will allow for, I guess in the in the long run it's less variance. But on a game to game basis, baseball already brings a ton of variance because you play. Right. I mean, so the KBO is playing 144 games, right? Like, so if the best team goes out there. And wins, you know, so what is it, 80, you know, to to 90 baseball games? Like, Mm -hmm. they're still going to lose a bunch of times. A bunch of times. You know, 50, 60 times we're talking here. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I think I think I definitely don't think that it's it's like a concrete thing, right? Where it's the variance, but I think even if it's just like okay, Doosan's a good team, and them losing twice in a row as a favorite is something that I'm gonna I'm willing to bet against, and I'll roll with Doosan. That law of average positive regression. 
back to the mean, yeah. especially with the defending champs and the kind of Stallworth team. I think that does make sense, and we will continue to look at the trends. Listen, if you're up early right now for the early line, you might as well just set that clock a little bit earlier and get a little bit of KBO baseball. We'll try and give you uh, everything you need to win a little bit of extra cash on that. All right, Kevin, as we finish up here, hour number one, we're going to talk more football in hour number two. There's a couple of signings. We're going to continue some of that running back conversation that we had yesterday. But before we go there, to finish off hour number one, you know, states are reopening. Kevin, mm-hmm. you know, and that is going to mean that we're starting to see more people, whether it's in malls or in movie theaters or in mass transit. But then again, when we start to bring people together, normal human behavior is going to start to happen as well. OK, the Cumberland yeah. Mall is a huge mall outside of Atlanta. And, you know, the uh, the state of Georgia is opening. They're even doing the tattoo parlors. And that's been in the news. But I want to give you a, a look at some of the things that happen you know, at the parking lot of a mall. And, and and I guess this is now evidence that we're getting back to normal, I guess, Kevin. Check this out. As we're playing the clip right here, you see uh, we got two women going after it. They are fighting. And then, boom, oh, snap. This dude comes in with, like, a Mortal Kombat Street Fighter, you know, kick. And uh, we break it up. Kevin, there are so many things that are wrong with this clip. I will start by the fact that, check out the security guard. He's wearing a mask, but no gloves, obviously. And this is not socially distant behavior. What do you think about this clip that we're seeing uh, coming out of Atlanta? All of the things are wrong with, all of the things are wrong with this video. Go home, first of all. Right. To all of you, go home. But secondly, if you're not going to, the funny thing is, this feels normal. Like that video does return a sense of normalcy. It's like, oh yeah, look at everybody being stupid. But like, I love that he has the mask on, right? Because he's like, oh, I gotta be safe. But it's also like in the middle of like four to five people trying to break up a brawl, no gloves on, as you mentioned. I think that's great. Buddy who comes flying in, Seamus bro kick style. Like it looks like a wrestling move. Like it's it's a good good sell by the girl who took the kick, I guess. I yeah. mean, just like uh, like Does so sell. ridiculous, man. And so then, ridiculous. Let me ask you, there's some lower level things that I have questions about in this cool. clip. The dude who does the karate kick or whatever, he's rocking yeah. a hockey jersey. Okay, so I also, I don't know how popular the thrashers are down there or how popular, you know, th- their uniforms are. But this looks like an old Edmonton's Oilers jersey that homeboy is rocking, number 25. And it was just not the type of jersey that I expected to see from this guy. Now, here's my other question. It's a great outfit, stuck- though. Jersey looks Jersey looks yeah, wonderful. Looking good. Like, Here's my other question, Kevin. You've been like stuck at home for weeks. What do you think it was that necessitated these two women needing to fight in the parking lot anyway? Like what what hate? What what comments? What what led to this that in your on your first day out, you were like, Yeah, I know what I gotta do. I gotta pull some girls' weave off. You know, Honestly, that's the best question because you're all, you're going out there. You're like, I got to stay away from people. Right? Isn't this about like finally enjoying the outside? Yeah. And aren't we all so nice to people? I go out on a run, you know, on a path on the West Side Highway. Every person I pass, I'm wearing a mask. I give them like a little solidarity nod, right? Because right. I thought we were all in this together. This is yeah. not we're all in this together behavior. What set this off? 
Yeah, I'm also curious, right, as to where, like, how this all started. Was the guy who comes in with the kick, right? Was he <laughs> further away, unaware of the pop-off, and had to hit a full sprint? Or was he watching by... Wait here, I'll go get the car. Exactly. The park. exactly. And then right. his girl gets into drama, and he's like, oh, snap, I gotta go back. It's also great that the guy in the jersey, he he does the, he does the flying kick, right? And that's one thing. Yeah. He pushes the security guard off who's trying to break it up just to grab his girl and be like, you know what? We out. We out. Um, he's not trying to fight. He's just trying to get his girl and then get the hell out of Dodge. I think that's good boyfriend behavior. What do you say? I, if, first of all, if I'm that security guard, two weeks notice. No way. You Listen. Well, quarantine now. Because these people yeah, aren't wearing masks. Yeah, this is, it's so ridiculous. What are you, pe- the thing is though, right? Like, and you know, there's, there are people like this who are like, man, I'm ready to fight. Like, you know what I'm saying? If someone looks at me crazy, I'm, I'm letting you know right now, like be ready because we're going to go. And you're like, oh, cut it out. And then they do it. And you're like, why? You chose to be in this situation and I hate you for it. And like that, maybe like just waiting, waiting, to, you know, he went to go get the car. I, oh, it's just so, it's so ridiculous. Go home, people. I'm Go saying, home. All the women down in Atlanta outside the mall, they are ready to go. They are in midseason form. As soon as you let them out, they are back to their normal behavior in the Cumberland Mall, at least. Hey, when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to turn our attention to the NFL. We talked about baseball. We talked about the NBA a little bit in hour number one. We have some news and notes from the NFL, and we continue our roster reset. This time, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers that are in the spotlight. All that and more in hour number two. It's the early line. Dane and Kevin and guys be nice to each other in the parking lots come on come on back hour number two dailyrodo.com learn from the game's best DFS players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day all major sports all year round we never stop industry leading DFS tools and custom projections and now the dailyrodo.com optimizer in minutes build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys learn from the game's best DFS players join dailyrodo.com